Charles Spurgeon is one of the greatest preachers of all times. But Spurgeon made the statement, he said, worry is interest paid on trouble before it's due. I read that quote and I thought, that's good right there. Worry is interest paid on trouble before it's due. Now the word worry, stress, anxiety, kind of lumping them together, literally means to divide the mind. It means to divide the mind. It, it, it is to be knotted up. It's to strangle. It's to suffocate. It, it's to knot up and tie up and keep you in bondage. So anytime you're starting to worry or you're starting to uh, be flooded with anxiety, what it does is it actually cripples your body. will break that down. Here's some stats for you. 40% of the things that you worry about never happen. 40%. 1986, I go to spring training. I had given my life to Christ in October of 85. I, I'm freed up. I'm fired up. I can't wait to play baseball that year. And before we start really training and getting into the games and all the activities, uh, we had to go through physicals. We go through our physical, and uh, I'm like, cool. We're getting ready to roll. The next day, the team doctor for the Astros came to me and said, hey, I, I need to talk to you. I said, what do you need to talk to me about? He said, well, uh, in your uh, urine sample yesterday, uh, we were looking, and as we went through the test, uh, there was uh, uh, some traces of blood in your urine. I said, okay, so what do you need to do? And he said, well, I need you to be at my office tomorrow afternoon at 2 o'clock. So what, what are we going to do? He said, well, I'm going to take a cystoscope and we're going to do uh, just a little exploratory work to make sure nothing's wrong with you. I said, explain to me exactly what a cystoscope is. <laughs> he started telling me and I didn't like the thought. So you're going to take that cystoscope and you're going to go in me. Now, let me make sure again, I heard you right. You're going where? <laughs> I'm like, I'm 23 years old. I've never heard of anything, experienced anything like that. That's not sounding too good. So what are you going to be looking for? Well, there's cases of guys your age that uh, have battled testicular cancer and we got to make sure nothing's going on. Testicular cancer. So if you find testicular cancer, what does that mean? Well, we may have to remove, re, re, remove. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I started to get a little worked up. So I went in the next day at two o'clock and those 30 hours between the time he told me he needed to see me and the time he was going to take that cystoscope and put that scope up in there and check me out. I was like, oh my God, what's going on? And I can tell you by the time I got to his office that day at two o'clock, I was a little worried. And he did his little work on me and that was not fun. But when I was just sitting there waiting for him to come back, he goes, everything checked out good. I don't think you have anything to worry about. <laughs> you ever been through stuff like that? Hey, man, you're not going to believe what we saw on you. Something's going on with you. We need to check you out. And if you're not careful, you start to empower it. You start to worry. Your body's flooded with anxiety, and you get all tied up and knotted up. 
of the things you worry about are things in the past that you can't change. So 70% about, uh, of our worry and anxiety is things that are never going to happen, things in the past. We can learn from them. I'm like, yeah. 12% of the things you worry about is criticism from others, most of which is not true. 82% of the things we're already at with worry, anxiety, and stress, we can't do anything about them anyway. 10% of the things that we worry about are about general health, which get worse with worry. I don't know if you've noticed with your own body, but the older you get, ankles and knees and hips and neck and things just don't work the way they used to. And the more you worry about certain things, the more jacked up you get. And 8% of the things you worry about, you got to face anyway. So whose strength are you relying on even when you do face them? Worry and stress lead to all kinds of serious health issues. I had a young girl, 18 years old, was talking to her at the end of the first service. And she was talking about this unforgiveness and bitterness that she had toward a family member. And God told her that you need to go over and deal with them. And she said, I had been diagnosed with Crohn's. I was passing blood in my stool and things were like crazy. And they're like, what's wrong with you? And she said, as soon as I honored God and then obeyed the Lord by going and told them I forgave them and released it. She said, within days, my chromes cleared up and I haven't been sick since. There, 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 there's a direct connection to none of these diseases. When you hold on to bitterness, bitterness means uh, it's, it's just deterioration of the bones and all kinds of stuff. So you, you keep a root of bitterness and unforgiveness and all this stuff. And, and reality is when you worry and stress and you hang, have anxiety or unforgiveness toward people and all this stuff, it can absolutely devastate and destroy pretty much every system inside your human body. Th this is crazy. It can raise your blood pressure. It can suppress your immune system. You want to get sick a lot, worry a lot. You see people who are always battling a lot of sicknesses, sometimes they do have a weak immune system, but a lot of times it's directly related to worry and anxiety and stress. Uh, it increases the risk of a heart attack. It contributes to infertility. It speeds up the aging process. You ever see some people, like I graduated in 1980, and I, I've been back and I've run into some of those people over the years, and I'm like, oh my God, he looks like he's 75. You ever seen people like that when they start to worry and stress? It just makes you age. It's, it diseases the body. It contributes to heart disease, digestive problems, sleep problems, depression, obesity, and the beat goes on. Now, I don't know about you, but based on my research and study, I would just tell you this, that worrying is not worth it. When you worry, really, it is a move of control where you want to have control over situations. And the more you worry and the more you stress and the more you try to manipulate outcomes to, to make them the way you want, let me tell you something. You're tying yourself up. You're knotted up. You're not free. Now, here's a thought. I want you to think about this. Think about the demands and pressures that were placed on Jesus Think about the demands and pressures that people placed on him. People had crazy expectations that they wanted him to live up to. 
They placed demands on him. And when you start to read his life and study his life, he had very little privacy. He was constantly being interrupted. And then people misunderstood him and they criticized him and they ridiculed him and eventually murdered him. But even when you study the life of Christ, I can tell you this, even in the midst of all the pressure and demands and chaos that were going on, he had this peace. People say, yeah, he had peace because he was God. Yeah, yeah, he was fully God, but he was fully man. He was fully tempted like you and I. The things that you and I battled, he battled. He was tempted in every way, just like we were, yet without sin. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm pondering Christ and how he did ministry and how he did life and how he conducted himself. Listen, and there were four principles out of John chapter 8 that I want to hit you with today. And I want you to marinate on today. John chapter 8 verses 12 through 30. And it, it's an incredible kind of passage to glean insight onto how, how do I deal with problems, pressure, pain, and anxiety First thing would be this. You've got to know who you are. Knowing who you are is an identity statement. We talk about purpose, identity, and destiny. And right out of the gate, Jesus is like, I know who I am. You know, you know who you are? Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. Verse 12 of John 8. I'm, I'm the light of the world. I know who I am. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I know who I am. I'm the good shepherd. I lay down my life for the sheep. I know who I am. I am God's son. I'm the door. I'm the... And Jesus constantly was making these I am statements, which is all about knowing who you are in identity. To handle the pressures of life, you've got to know who you are. Because if you don't know who you are, other people will try to make you something that you're not. And we live in a society where people love to should on other people. Should, should, should. Make sure you hear that right. Let me tell you what you should do. Let me tell you where you should work. Let me tell you who you should be hanging out with. Anybody in here ever had anybody should on them before? It's pretty toxic, is it not? But when you start to embrace those should statements and allow other people to try to make you something that you're not, you know what you'll end up doing? You'll start wearing masks. You'll start faking it. You'll live a double life. You'll live defeated. You'll try to be someone you're not, and you can't be someone that you're not. You were born an original. God don't want you to die a copy. And so anytime you, you're trying to fit in and, and be cool, and it's all because you don't know who you are. And there's a lot of people that don't know who they are. People that come to church don't know who they are. And when we talk about identity, it's so crucial. Barb and Kim and our women's ministry, Bloom, are doing a an entire series this fall just on who they are, identity in Christ. And it's so crucial. John chapter 1 verse 12 says, As many as received him, to those who believed in his name, to those he gave the right to become children of God. When I repent and place my faith in Jesus, I memorized John 1 12 right after I got saved. Did you receive him? I received him. Do you believe in his name? I believe Believe, pistis in the Greek means persuaded to action. I believe. He goes, you're my child. If you wake up in the morning, you go, I'm a child of God. In all these studies, I'm a saint. I'm a, I'm a friend of Jesus. I'm a joint heir, beloved son of the king. That's who I am. You can't make me something 
that you want me to be because God is developing me into who he wants me to be. One of the greatest things you guys can do is start to believe what God says about you. Who are you? Knowing who you are. Believing what God believes about you, that you're loved, accepted, that you have worth, you have significance, you're secure, you will not find life apart from him is absolutely crucial. And Jesus makes this statement, hey guys, I know y'all are not really wanting to pay attention. You don't get it. You don't get that I'm God. You don't get that I'm the Savior, but I'm the light of the world. I'm what you're looking for. I'm what brings about illumination and exposure. Who are you? What defines you? And I pray that as you ponder that statement, listen, listen, I pray that it wouldn't be a seven-minute statement that you'd listen to on Sunday morning. I pray that during this week, you would get you a journal and grab you a pen, and you would do a study on who I am in Christ. In these next seven days, you would spend at least 15, 20 minutes a day, and you would start to write down what God says about you. I am free. I am no longer condemned. I am justified. I am declared righteous before God. I am all these statements and spend time just believing what God believes about you. Here would be the second thing. You've got to know where you're going in life. Where are you going with your life? Now, as we talk about identity, this is a destiny statement. Where am I going with my life? Jesus said this. The Pharisees, verse 13, challenged him, you're making claims about yourself. Such testimony is not valid. Jesus said, uh, these claims that I'm making about myself, even though I do make them, they're true. I know where I came from, and I know where I'm going. One of the keys, I mean, I had people tell me this Growing up, they're like, don't you ever forget where you came from. I don't want to forget where I came from, but I want to empower where I'm going. What is your mission in life? What are you doing with your life? What is the trajectory of your life right now? Jesus says, I'm on a mission. I know why I'm here. I know why the Father has sent me. He would even say in John 17, I've glorified you on earth by accomplishing the work that you sent me to do. I I know why I'm here. My face is set toward Jerusalem. I'm I'm heading toward the cross. Uh, Golgotha is where I'm going. I'm going to die a criminal's death, but I came to give my life as a ransom. Where are you going with your life? I was thinking about this, that every day in our lives, we either live our lives by priorities or by pressures. We either live our lives by disciplines or by demands. You either live your life by gravitating toward the urgent or by staying locked in to the important. Every one of us, every day when we wake up, we're on a mission to do something. What are you doing? Do you ever pause at the end of the day, head about to hit the pillow? Do you ever pause at the end of the day and think, have I really done anything today and accomplished anything today that matters? Sure you have. Have I done anything today of value? These kids are having fun. (laughs) Have I done anything today that's got eternal value to it? 
I mean, I just spent these last 24 hours. I mean, was there anything really significant for the kingdom accomplished? Am I I just in a rut going through the motions because I don't know my mission? I don't know really where I'm going. There's some of the people in this room right now under my voice and you're stuck. You're stuck in stable misery. As I said last week, you've bought into the lie of autonomy or the lie of self-sufficiency. The lie of autonomy, it's my life. I can do whatever I want to do with it. How's that working for you? And the lie of self-sufficiency, I don't need anybody else. I've got everything I need. And you're living life in defeat with no mission and vision whatsoever. Here's a promise I'll make to you. I'll make a guarantee with you. You want to eliminate uh, stress and worry and anxiety in your life? Get up in the morning, those first few moments, and just spend some time in prayer. Just say, Father, what do you want me to do today? Spend some time in the Word. Spend some time in meditation with the Lord in Scripture. When you start to spend devotional intimacy with God, I can promise you it will decompress the stress that's going on inside your soul. Lord, who do you want me to spend time with today? Where do you want me to go? What do you want me to be about? I promise you this, when you start to know who you are and know where you're going, it will eliminate so many distractions and it will keep you from being detoured from the things of God. Who are you? Why are you here? If you had to write out a mission statement, what would it be? If you had to share a mission statement with your family, what would it be? And this is just not passive conversation. This is really for you to sit there and think, what is my mission for being on the planet? It's to know God, enjoy God, glorify God. It is to make Christ known to others as I walk in obedience with him. And some people are so unattractive because you're so tied up. You're you're so knotted up. You're so filled with stress and worry and you're living in defeat. And God goes, no, I want to free you up. Here's the third thing. Know who you're trying to please. Listen to what Jesus said. If I do judge, my decisions are true. But I'm not alone. I stand with my Father who sent me. You do not know me or my Father, Jesus replied. If you knew me, you would know my Father also. The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone. Listen to this statement. Listen. For I always do what pleases him. What a great statement. Jesus said, I always do that which pleases my father. I got good news for you today. It is okay for you to be a pleaser if you're a God pleaser. But if you're a people pleaser and you're trying to accommodate everyone else, I can promise you it will wear you out. I've been dealing with a friend for the last three months, and he came to the realization, trying to please everybody else will absolutely destroy your soul. It will knot you up. It will tie you up. It will strangle you, and no life can come out. Galatians 1.10, write it down, memorize it, meditate on it, know it. But Paul writes, am I seeking the approval of man? Or am I seeking the approval of God? If I was seeking man's approval, I could not be a servant of Christ. Paraphrase. Am I trying really to please God? 
Or am I addicted to pleasing man? When I try to be a man pleaser, I absolutely knight myself, tie myself, strangle myself, and live a defeated life. I've got to learn to please God. I've got to learn to be a God pleaser. God wants you to please him. God wants you to honor him. Now, Esposito, here's something I was thinking about. When you don't know who you are, and when you don't know why you're here, and when you don't know who you're ultimately trying to please, and you start to fall into the secular traps, you'll cave in to three major snags. You'll fall into the trap of criticism. You'll fall into the trap of competition. And then you'll fall into the trap of criticism. Listen to this right here. People oftentimes are in chains because of this whole mindset of criticism. You worry about what others think about you. There, there's so many people that try to get the right image and live the right life and to say the right things and go to the right places because they care what others think about you. Can I tell you, most people don't think about you hardly at all. They think about themselves. And here we are living with this kind of mindset of, well, I just don't want anybody to speak bad about me. They're going to speak bad about you. But when you start to live this mindset of you worry about what others think, it will tie you up. Remember the statement, if you're motivated by praise, you'll be deflated by criticism. You can't be attached to either one of them. And so many people, they don't know who they're trying to please, so they accommodate and they're constantly getting life just kind of sucked out of them. Competition, you worry about somebody getting ahead of you. I mean, competition is a beautiful thing, and we want to be the best that we can be, and we want to be able to go out and play that game and compete to the highest of our uh, abilities and our highest level. But if I'm worrying all the time, is this guy better than I am? Just be the best that you can be. Enjoy the moment. Live in the play. Live in the day. And, 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 and that's another driving force that causes people to get chained up, Ash. I mean, it's like, uh, I'm worried about somebody else getting ahead of me. Somebody else is going to probably get ahead of you. You're going to be ahead of other people. But this whole thing of conflict, when you're threatened because somebody disagrees with you and you get all locked up, can I tell you something? You're not the fourth member of the Trinity and you're not always right. And you're going to have people that don't disagree with you or that don't agree with you that are going to disagree with you at times. And so many people will pack up and move somewhere else and change jobs and change relationships and marriages because there's conflict and you take all that crap with you to the next one and all hell breaks loose again and you're going, what, what happened? What happened is you never realized that conflict is a part of humanity and you got to learn to deal with conflict. And you got to learn how to disagree without blowing up relationships. And, and you got to learn that your MO really is you're here to please God and honor God, and every person matters. And so relationships are not disposable. Did you hear that? Relationships are not disposable because every one of you that I look at is fearfully and wonderfully made, made in God's image. Every one of you. And just because you get sideways and ticked off and you have some conflict, there's a way to sit down and talk through it. And you might not dot every I and cross every T exactly the same, but at least you can have some resolve. 
And people just throw in the towel and move on. Now, John chapter 14, Jesus, uh, I want to make a promise to you. When it comes to pleasing God, when it comes to honoring God, I want you to know who you are. Now, I want you to know where you're going. Uh, you've got to have a mission, and, and, and you've got to live with eternity as the backdrop. That's where you're going. It should determine the way you live. But then Jesus says, I, I, I got good news for y'all. I'm going to check out. I'm going to be murdered. But I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, the Paracletos. I'm going to send the Comforter, and he's going to come and reside within you. And he's going to be in you and with you. So you don't have to manufacture in the flesh this ability to always try to please him and honor him. The Holy Spirit's going to live inside of you, and the Spirit loves to please the daddy. And so when we start to trust the power of the Holy Spirit inside of us, and we start to trust that God now lives in me, and he wants to permeate me, and he wants to have his will and way in me, guess what happens? The Holy Spirit starts to guide me. He gives me illumination. He gives me revelation. He gives me discernment. He tells me where to go and where not to go, who to talk to and who not to talk to. The only way I can please God is to be filled with the Holy Spirit and not to quench the Holy Spirit. When I start to worry and I start to get flooded with anxiety, I quench the Holy Spirit. I'm telling God, he's not enough. I need to be in control. And I suffocate the Holy Spirit inside of me. And when you quench the Holy Spirit, you're not going to live a victorious life. So you start to look at this going, uh, what's happening? Well, if you know who you are, that's identity. If you know where you're going, that's destiny. Yeah, and once you start to know who you're trying to please every day, that's freedom. Here's, a, here's the fourth point. Develop a strong personal walk with God daily. That's your purpose. I mean, Rick and I, again, we talk about this purpose, identity, and destiny. But when you develop a strong personal walk with God, you start to live a life of purpose. Verses 26 through 28, Jesus said, He who sent me is trustworthy. What I've heard from him, I tell the world. They did not understand that he was talking about the Father. And then Jesus says, I can do nothing on my own, but I speak just what the Father has taught me. I do nothing on my own. But when I speak, I speak what the Father has taught me. So Jesus' strength came from daily communion with the Father. Mark 135 says, while it was still early in the morning, Jesus would oftentimes depart, uh, depart to a lonely place and spend time in prayer and communion with the Father. He spoke what the Father has said to him, which we have to ask the question, where do I get my information from? When I start to talk, when I start to share with others, where am I getting my information from? Who do I get it from? And, and if I can learn from Jesus early in the morning before the demands and before the pressure and, and before the expectations, he would oftentimes chill and hang with the Father, solitude and rest and and. and Abba, what do you want? Where do you want me to go? What do you want me to speak? We've got to be getting the right information. And if Jesus valued a time of rest and solitude, listen, if Jesus valued rest and solitude and communion with the Father, don't you think we should? Don't you think that we should eliminate 
all of the distractions early in the morning and just spend some time in prayer and meditation? Like I said, I promise you, if you'll spend those first minutes in the morning just praying and, and getting along with God and asking him to show you, God wants to show you. You don't have to call some other minister. You've got the Holy Spirit that's the trump card. Hey, come and hang with me. What do you want me to do today? Where do you want me to go? So, so what is Jesus teaching you about identity? What is Jesus right now teaching you about identity, who you are? What is Jesus teaching you? What, what's the Holy Spirit showing you in regards to living a, uh, a missional life? What, what's the Holy Spirit been showing you this week? about things in your life where it's not pleasing to him. What, God, what is God showing you? Collectively, he speaks to us in the scripture. Selectively, he speaks to us through the Holy Spirit. And I can tell you prayer and scripture reading is a huge stress reliever because I start to let it go. Most people are speeding through life right now. A lot of people in your world, some people in here today, a lot of your family members and friends that are just speeding through life and they don't know who they are, they don't know why they're here, they don't know where they're going, they don't know who they're trying to please and you look at them and you're like, no wonder they're stressed out. They're running from God, they're rebelling against God, they're rejecting the gospel of God. And you look and go, no wonder you sedate, medicate, no, no wonder no wonder, you're stressed out. There was a girl, 26, 27-year-old girl in the first service. We have been praying for her for years, for years. Her mom's been praying for her and praying for her. And the mom came forward in the first service and just broke. I'm all way down. I just can't handle it anymore. I'm hurting so bad. I know you are. And this girl loves Jesus, and she's been walking in freedom. But all of this junk with her family, she was weeping her eyes out. Her, da her daughter's only been here a couple of times. Her daughter comes forward, starts weeping. I got to have help. She's locked up. She's chained up. And we saw the Holy Spirit doing amazing work. And the girl goes, I'm willing to go to treatment. I'm willing to go in-house. I can't do it by myself. And we were weeping and praying. And there's some of you, you're so stinking locked up, knotted up, tied up, and you're defeated, and you're killing yourself. And the collateral damage that it's creating with those around you is, is killing people, is hurting people. God goes, uh, I want you to know why I made you. I love you. I'm for you. I want you to know that your identity in me is secure. You can know where you're going. You can live with eternity as the backdrop. You can have, you can have a free life here. You can live a life of freedom. I start to look at these things and I'm like, what is your mission? These five things. I mean, you look at worship. We were created for God's good pleasure. Yes. If I ever 
eliminate that or mistake that. Why are you here? I'm, I'm here for God's pleasure. That's why I'm here. Fellowship, I was formed to be a part of the family of God. I was formed to be connected, to be in small groups and to do life with other people. That's why I'm here. I was formed uh, and, and, and redeemed for discipleship. We were saved to become more like Christ every day. To those God foreknew, he also predestined to conform and to the likeness of Christ. I'm here to conform you, to metamorpho you, to be like Jesus. Not that you would be some bonehead idiot doing your own thing. I made you to form you to look like my son. We were here for ministry. Right? We've been equipped by God to say, go out into the streets. We're here for a mission to tell other people. We're here for a reason. And we've got to know what that reason is. Jesus Christ wants to set you free. And some of you are so locked up into your stress and your anxiety and your worry today because of the past. And you keep empowering it. And he goes, stop it. I've redeemed that. I, I, I can redeem and make all things new. Jesus is making all these statements. And then John 8, 30. I want you to get this. It says, even as he spoke... Pharisees are against him. Some of the Jews, they were like, ah. but the more he spoke, listen to what he says. Even as he spoke, many put their faith in him. Even as he was speaking, people go, it's time for me to put my faith in him. I've had my faith in me. I've trusted me. I'm depending on some things that are not working. Even as he spoke, many place their faith in him. Faith, their trust, their allegiance, their dependence, their surrender. Remember Jesus said, any of y'all out there tired? Anybody weary? Anybody exhausted? Anybody stressed out and just beat up with life? He says in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, then come to me, press into me, Lean into me. Anybody wiped out can't make it another day? Anybody feel like death is a good option? Anybody feel like suicide might be okay? Because you can't handle it anymore. And you're so beat up and you're so bruised. He says, come to me. Please come to me. I made you. I've redeemed you with my blood. I want to show you how to live. I want to teach you the unforced rhythms of my grace. I, I want to walk with you every day. That's what he says. Then John 8, like 31 and 32, it says that many of the Jews, as he was speaking, that had believed in him. This is what he said. He goes, I got good news for you. If you'll continue in my word and my truth, in my sayings, the Rama sayings, if you will continue in my word, then you're truly my disciples. Then you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. I want to set you free. I've been speaking that you got to know who you are. You got to know who you are. You got to know why you're here. You, you got to know where you're going. You got to know your mission. You, you got to know who you're ultimately aiming to please every day. You got to have this growth plan to say, I've got to stay with it. And he says, I, I, I got good news. If, 
if you really have trusted me and believe, and if you'll continue in my word, you'll be my disciple. You'll be a little Jesus to the world. Then you'll know the truth. And the truth is going to set you free. Many of you walked in here today starving for freedom. You're chained up, you're locked up, and you're tired of being tired. We don't change until we get sick of being sick. And we have this desperation of the soul to say, I've got to be made well. I can't stay locked up anymore. I'm confused. I'm, 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 I'm tired of being beat up every day. Once we repent and say, Jesus, I come to you. I'm weary. I'm tired. I'm bruised. I'm beaten. I'm exhausted. I can't do it. But I'm going to trust you to do it for me. And some of you have grown up around church culture and have been around stuff for a while, and, and you've played some church games, but you've drifted, and you drifted, and you've drifted, and he's saying, hey, nobody's going to take your name out of the book. Listen, I love you, but it's time to come to me. I love you. But you have slid so far and drifted, it's time to get back. It's time to get right. Now, don't try to get your knees met apart from me. Come to me, and I will give you rest. And you don't need sleep. You need rest. Rest. And some of you sitting here, a variety of ages, some of you are not locked in. Some of you are not freed up. And you're going, i got to have help. And the intercession prayer that we're going to have here in a few moments, whether you're lost and you're saying it's time to surrender, or whether you're saved and you're living in stable misery with worry, anxiety, and defeat, we're going to make this available here in a few moments. Please take advantage. Step out in faith and say, I've got to pray. The mom that stepped out in the first service says, it was hard for me to step out. I said, I know. But when you don't worry about it, what anybody else thinks, and you really do pledge to say, I'm here to please him, and I've got to know this God, and I've got to honor my God, then you won't worry about anybody else. You'll only, only be consumed with being who God wants you to be fully alive in Christ.